Hi, um, we'd like to welcome you to the Accidental Marketer podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, co-author of the book, The Accidental Marketer, and I'm joined by my partner and co-author, Tom Spitali. And Sean Wellem, uh, who heads up our European operation, is also here, um, all part of Impact Planning Group. Uh, hi, Tom. Hi, Sean. Hi, Mary. Hey, Mary. So, um, you know, we've been doing these podcasts now for a bit, and they're designed for accidental marketers. So some of our listeners are accidental marketers. Some of them are trying to figure out their coworkers who are accidental marketers. So in either case, we're trying to make this as relevant and interesting as possible. Um, this podcast is a little bit different because we really don't know what's on Tom's mind. He's going to, it's like the mystery podcast. So he's going to tee up things that, you know, he's either heard or he's dreamt up that we're going to uh, see if we can address uh, right now. So Tom, what do you have in mind for us? So, so this is like improv, right? It's <laughs> totally improv. No, yeah, especially for the first person I asked to comment on this topic. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I better pay attention. I better flip a coin or something here. <laughs> the topic is artificial intelligence. And the question oh. is, will artificial intelligence replace strategic marketing jobs? And the reason I'm asking that, of course, is that there's just a, you know, a permeation of artificial intelligence into the world of business, into business intelligence, into manufacturing jobs. And there's a lot of debate and discussion right now around how far will this go? Um, will robots be doing even white collar jobs, which some people are predicting? And of course, we're all in the field of strategic marketing and work with strategic marketers all over the world. So it's going to be a topic that I think in the very near future, if people aren't asking or thinking about it now, they're going to you know, they're going to be thinking about it over the next couple of years. So I flipped a coin, came up Sean. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking for a bit more than you probably, it will probably have an impact. You know what? I think artificial intelligence is one of those technologies that's just going to permeate every aspect of, of, of our lives, you know, whether it's our, our, our driving, our traveling, our, our work, whatever that work is to some degree, I don't see that it's, it, 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 it can be escaped. I think the one thing that it will do with strategic, strategic, strategic marketing is a, a, an interpretive art stroke science, right? You're reading the runes and you're, you're making um, uh, best assessment and, 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 uh, and trial and error to an extent is involved. So I think given that it will be more of a, um, an assistant than a replacement. I think it may change the strategic marketing job, but I think it will change it for the better. I don't see it replacing it as much as being, um, making data more accessible and, and having someone else look at the data and throw up maybe some insights or some some directions. Maybe you'll take some of the grunt work out of the front end. I think the more nuanced interpretive stuff is is probably uh of course it's always dangerous saying this, isn't it? Probably always need a human, but who knows in the in the in the far future. But I think in the short term, yeah, it, it'll it'll help. Hmm. Well I I think that um, it is a matter of horizons, and there's an evolution that's going to occur. What I find fascinating is strategy is both art and science. And recently, I think 
just this last week, I heard that um, now AI can uh, solve a Rubik's Cube in 0.005 seconds. <laughs> it's like, it's really fast. And then on the art side of it, um, I hear that, you know, there are robots that are painting um, exactly as some of our famous artists are. So, so we're seeing some of the science and the art come together. But I think over those horizons, I think it's going to be, first, we're just trying to figure out in horizon one and maybe even a bit into horizon two. But horizon three is probably a huge, as Sean saying, it's an enhancement to making great decisions and being creative in it. And then I'm not, I, I have no sense of how long Horizon 4 will take, but I do think that it will be to a point where it'll be like having a really smart partner that helps you sort things out so that, you know, ultimately you're still going to have to make some of that final decision, but we're going to be so smart as marketers about it that it'll really help us in, in the way that we're playing the marketing game, if you will. Tom, what do you, also- what do you, oh, go ahead, Sean. Now, I was just going to just build on what you were saying, Mary. I think there's a, there's a couple of limiting factors with with AI as well, because you've got that um, AI needs a data set to learn from. You know, that's one of the reasons that, that that it's growing at the moment, because there is a lot more data that's accessible, particularly in some of the the consumer and behavioral sides of things. So, until you have good, robust data, the AI needs to have a learning algorithm to to make sense of it, and then it has to iterate and get smarter and smarter and sometimes that will be a limiting factor mm-hmm. and then there's the other thing and, and this was something i was reading just the other day it's called um i'll probably get this name wrong something like moravec's paradox it's about how computational effort is 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 really it's easy for computers to do high level thinking like a rubik's cube that's what made me think of it and you said it mary having a robot learn to do a rubik's cube computationally is quite easy but having it try and figure out the the motor skills of even a two-year-old is really really hard the low-level functional skills that we don't think about and again that goes back to that science and art thing that you mentioned mary that that it, it may be able to make sense of the data but not necessarily make that leap of connection that intuition um so I, I, I guess it just reiterates what I was saying before, but I, I think that there are some limitations to it. It's not, you know, the robots aren't, aren't taking over just yet. <laughs> well, I think the limitations are, um, are, are real, but I, I think eventually they'll be overcome. I mean, I think Horizon 3 or 4, um, I wouldn't even hazard a guess of what that's going to look like right now, but uh, I do think that there is the ability of artificial intelligence or at least we see the beginnings of the ability of artificial intelligence to um, uh, wade into the realm of art. Uh, We hear stories of, of using artificial intelligence to create hit music. Now I don't know of any hit song that has yet been created by artificial intelligence, but I know somebody's working on it. Just, I just saw today that, um, in China, there is a television program where they're going to use artificial intelligence to try to divine the optimal plot line to get maximum number of, of viewers. So, you know, when that kind of thing, and, and Sean's right, there has to be a data set for machines to be able to learn from. Um, and so there's a time horizon that, that needs to, to take place until that happens. When that be- begins to happen, all bets are, are, all bets are off, but it's not just strategic marketing jobs that'll be, be replaced by robots. And it'll be at a lot of jobs and we'll all have a lot of leisure time. But I think that's probably, you know, 
15 or 20 years into the future. Um, I think what's interesting and what's going on right now is, is all positive. The, you know, the uses of artificial intelligence are all positive for marketers because what the three of us have been investigating is just, you know, some of the new ways that market research is being done. And it's uh, really interesting and fascinating to see how easy it's going to be very, very soon to be able to get information on your markets. Mary, do you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, what we've been when looking at there with the social media listening, web scraping and all of that? Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about, um, as Sean says, there's data sets. And when I think about, especially in B2B, what are those data sets or the elements that are important? It goes back to my favorite tool. One of my favorites is the ability to compete, which is a foundation for differentiation or what we call the differential index. And that's where, you know, identifying a group of customers and what really drives them and then their perceptions of how they see their different options and being able to use that as a data set to say, okay, that's where the game is now. And then what are ways that I can simulate or be able to change that game in my favor? And so how do you collect that data set is I think some of the things you're asking about, Tom, is as as we get better at quote unquote listening there is more web, web scraping and, and um, technology available to listen, especially to more of that B2B conversation about cement or termite control or, you know, or crop protection or, you know, um, any type of immunology. Um, it's, the conversations are there, but how do we capture them better and be able to bring that back in so we can look at what is the situation in terms of our ability to win now and then simulate what are the things we need to do in the future or some kind of an index to measure that. Tom, what do you, how, would you, how would you add to that or change what I'm thinking? Well, I mean, I, th I think what we, we, we see, it, it, it's a, a phenomena in the business-to-consumer world right now that the traditional forms of market research are being turned on their head where you used to, be, you used to have to incent people to talk about your, your and competitors' products in a – you know, a real or simulated or online focus group or, or do surveys, as we talked about in a recent podcast. And what's happening in the business to consumer world is that there's so much electronic dialogue in, you know, chat rooms, forums, um, social media sites about particular products that people talk a lot about naturally, um, cars or, or, or clothes or, or, or restaurants, so much of that is going on that these, these innovative companies are finding ways to, in real time, infuse the marketers with that data, positive, negative, neutral about their competitors' products, just by monitoring all the electronic forums. I mean, I think the question is, and I would pose this to Sean, is when is that going to be happening when is there going to be a critical mass of, of, of business to business dialogue where people are sharing that kind of information about industrial products in electronic forms? Will that ever happen, I think, is the big question. And if it does, that's really going to change the B2B marketer's world. But, um, you know, that's, that's the question I think that we're, we're, we're wrestling with right now. Sean, what do you yeah, think? I, I, well, I think one, it, it's critical because if it doesn't happen, if we don't get that data set, then all bets are off in terms of what 
AI needs to function. So, you know, it, it has to happen if the premise that AI will will uh, impact our, our industry significantly, then it has to happen. As to when, you know, that is the big question because you, you, you've seen in some ways a, a bit of a backlash in privacy and data sharing on the consumer side, you know, with various regulations and updates to websites, you know, have to opt into more stuff. Um, and that's going to make it possibly harder or maybe more valuable. I don't know. I think it's 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 very much an evolutionary step. But the other thought I had about this was whenever it happens, it's going to happen on both sides. We're in the B2B world, right? We're dealing with everything from aircraft engines to oil rigs to pharmaceuticals to veterinary products and so on and so forth. It's... On the supply side, AI may help with strategic marketing. Where are you targeting? What offers are you making? And so forth. But on the on the demand side, you'll have similar, where buying groups will be using AIs to sort through. And in, in some ways, that, that swings the pendulum back the other way. And you have AIs marketing to AIs. I mean, we've met some buyers that I, I was that guy that Mary and I sat with not long ago, Mary, I think he was actually a Terminator, to be perfectly honest. I'm <laughs> sure so he was. funny. You're right. I hadn't thought of it that way. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, but you imagine. And, and then then I, I guess maybe we're not in that, that Horizon 4. We're in Horizon 44. But maybe that's the ultimate future is that AIs design products that sell them to other AIs that make the choice based on whatever rational decision criteria they have. And we all you know, we'll, we'll be retired or dead by then. But, uh, you know, I, I, it is interesting to think what the end game is for this sort of thing, not just the, the, the short term is what we care about. That's going to impact now. But it, ultimately, it's an interesting thought experiment. Sean, you, you, it's funny. Mary and I recently did um, a healthcare future workshop for a company in that industry. And we were posing, you know, some questions to, to them Um regarding both what they thought the future was going to look like and how prepared they were. But one of the uh, questions that we ask, and this was something with a focus over the next five years, is are you prepared to sell to a robot? In other words, the buying groups are going to be using artificial intelligence, as you, I think as you're, as you're suggesting, Sean, as a way to sort through the offers, and so what we were asking this particular group was, are you prepared to understand enough how those bots might work so that you can have a leg up? Because that seems to be something that, that in the next five years is, is, is probably going to happen. Yeah, and then ultimately we end up with that the AI gets so smart, it develops preferences and prejudices and favorite suppliers. And one AI sends another AI, do you want a quick look at the uh, the RFP before we send it out sort of thing? And maybe we just go in a big full circle. We just take the humans out of the equation. <laughs> oh, my. This is a, a fun topic, Tom. Thank you for uh, asking us to to really think about the future in this way. Uh, for For people that are listening, we are absolutely interested in hearing your thoughts on this as well. Um, it's, you know, there's so many different ways to think through this. Do you have any closing thoughts, Sean and Tom on this? I, I think I peaked at my dystopian future. So <laughs> yeah. I'll pass. Good, good. <laughs> and uh, Tom? Uh, Google says, I, the, the question I asked you guys earlier was how soon do we think we might be able to get data in a B2B context? Um, like consumers 
marketers can now through web scraping, social media, listening, and the like. Um, the interesting stat I saw was that 35% of buyers, B2B buyers, are under the age of 35, according to Google. Why that's relevant is that's the generation that tends to share their thoughts in electronic forms more than their older predecessors. So I think that um, you know this 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 future of being able to you know, mine the electronic world for real-time market research data in the B2B world may be coming faster than we all think. Mm, wow. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to having you join us in future podcasts. Until then, we, we wish you a very successful future. Thank you.